0: Well good morning again, everybody. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew and chapter six, we're going to be reading from there this morning. Uh, if you haven't got a Bible, it's okay. it'll be up on the screen, so you can follow along with us uh, from there. Uh, if you're new or visiting with us, uh, we are in the middle of a series working our way through Matthew's Gospel. and in that, we're actually in the middle. Of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And so we're going to read God's word together, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into it together this morning. So, Matthew chapter 6, reading from verse 19 through to verse 34. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness, if then... The light in you is darkness. How great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray together. Father, we come this morning and we've already confessed we are in need of lots of different things, but one of the things that we're in need the most of is for you to speak your life-giving word into our hearts. You would grip our hearts and our minds with the truth of who you are and what it means to follow you and belong to you and live for you in your world. So, Father, would you do that in your kindness to us as we open your word together? Would you do it for your glory and change our lives for our good? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you may or may not know this, but in Australia approximately one in seven people at any given time suffer from anxiety. This means a gathering like this may have somewhere between 30 to 40 of us who may be in the midst of anxiety right now, right here. And friends, as someone who's experienced anxiety, it's not nice. And it's not easy. And sometimes, well-meaning Christians, me included, don't help much when you're in the middle of it. Particularly if they take the slap a Bible verse on it approach. Oh, you've got anxiety. Oh, I've got a verse for you. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Bye. That's one way we can do it probably better to take the time to understand what's happening in the person's life, commit to pray for them, and yes, at some point you might talk about that verse together. There is in fact a medically diagnosed anxiety which is not an easy fix, often requiring some form of medical intervention and help to get through it, in addition to, not in the place of, reliance on Jesus to sustain us In such a season. But then, of course, there is the general anxiety or worry or fears that pretty much all of us experience at some point in time, if not often. Anxiety or fear that takes hold of us and begins to shape us and what we do and how we're travelling and where we decide to go in some way. And that's what we have in our passage today. And anxiety or fear, we've all known. And this kind of anxiety, interestingly enough, and Jesus addresses it right here, when it happens for us, it can often result in idolatry forming in our hearts. When we look to either something or someone for relief. So the question we're looking at today is this. How do we cope with our fears and anxiety in this crazy world? And it is a crazy world, right? I don't think I'm going to get too much pushback on that. How do we cope with our fears and anxieties in a crazy world as followers of Jesus? What do we do with them Perhaps when we feel overwhelmed for some reason. And how do we in that moment fight the temptation to find relief in something or someone that will become in some way an idol for us? How does following Jesus help us with our fears and keep us from our idols, from anxiety and the associated idolatry that often happens? Comes with it. Well, as we continue our series in Matthew's Gospel, where we are today, King Jesus will speak to these very things. And what we will see is Jesus calling us to two things that will transform our anxiety, that will calm our fears and keep us from idols. Two things that our lives as His people are to be deeply shaped by. And the first one is this our lives as followers of Jesus are to be deeply shaped by a deep love for our Heavenly Father. Notice as we kick jump into verse 19 and following, Jesus is calling His disciples to a radically different way of life. Did you see that there? He says to them, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus calls us as his followers to a radically different way of thinking and living. And friends, it's actually For our good, it's for our good that we would be deeply shaped by love for God, our Heavenly Father. Why is this so radical? Well, because it's not what our culture and our society and the world in which we live constantly calls us to, is it? It's not how our culture calls us to live. And friends, if we're honest, and we need to be honest at this point, it's not how we would naturally live if it wasn't for the powerful, life-changing grace of God actively at work in our hearts, which is what we're looking at today as well. It's not how most people around us live, so it's radical. By nature, you and I would just... Gladly lay up treasure here in the here and now for ourselves. By nature, we would be shaped completely by our fears and insecurities in whatever way and respond accordingly. By either storing up or ramping up control or whatever it is. Looking to the things of this world to calm our fears, to settle our anxieties, to give us a sense of security, to give us a sense that we are okay because fill in the blank. We have this. Now for some that might be money. For some, that might be a healthy bank balance. If I've got a healthy bank balance, then I my fears are calmed and my anxieties are settled. For others, it might be status. It might be my place in society or my place in my workplace or my place in my friendship group, what people think of me, how they view me. That might be where I go to calm my fears and settle my anxieties. For others, it might be career. If I can just get the right job that, and that pays the right wage, it's going to deliver me this particular style of life and that is going to calm my fear and my anxieties. I won't have to worry too much. For others, it might be relationships, that special relationship, that if I just had that girlfriend or that boyfriend or that person in my life, then I would be okay. Or if I just, my family relationships were all of a certain nature and in in a certain state, then my world is going to be the right way up, unless, of course, those things go pear-shaped, and then my world's going to be the wrong way up. For others, it might be beauty. don't personally have that problem, but it might be for some that, you know, if I can just get the right hairstyle and if I can just get the right this or the right that, if I can just get that particular look with those particular clothes or that particular brand, then I'm going I'm to feel good, I'm going to feel okay, I'm going to step into life without any fears and worries of being rejected and probably, you know, hoping that I'll be accepted based on that. Brothers, it might be fitness. That's a huge one these days. I don't know, have you noticed how many gyms are popping up? Can you believe, like, you know, 10 years ago, probably not even that long, you had two options in this part of Perth. I think there's more gyms than churches now. I don't know whether you've noticed that. And more deals. You know, you can swap between them. They don't hold you in contracts. You can go to seven in a year if you want to. Why is that? Could it be that people are finding security and being fit and healthy and buff and all the rest of it that goes with that? And in order to calm their fears and their anxieties, I'm going to live forever, maybe. But, friends, Jesus calls us as his followers away from that. And for some very clear reasons. Firstly, because as he said here, it's a really bad investment of your life. Right? To store up treasure on earth where what? Where moth and rust destroy. Where thieves break in and steal. Whether if you're lucky, you might be able to keep it to the end. But even then, you can't take it with you. It's actually a really bad investment, just purely from a cost-benefit analysis. If you like spreadsheets, then this, here's a spreadsheet for you. But secondly, and more importantly than that, and hear this, we were made for much more than that. We were created by God and for God. We were made for him. And through Jesus, if you've come to him and put your trust in him, the Lord of heaven and earth, as we've heard through this sermon on the mount by Jesus, is your heavenly Father. He's your Father. He's the one who knows you and loves you and cares for you. And is the only one who can truly settle your anxieties and calm your fears in the midst of whatever storm you might be walking through. Jesus is making it clear also because it's really, really important. Because every aspect of our lives will be shaped by where we land with just these few words of Jesus. You see verse 21? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, if your treasure, that is what you value, is earthly, then that's where your heart's going to be. On the contrary, if your treasure or what you value is heavenly, then that's where your heart Will be, and so friends, this is really serious, critical in fact. Because Jesus is not only calling us to a radical way of living, he's warning us of the danger of just drifting into living earthly lives. And I don't know about you, but drifting's pretty easy. Now, what's really interesting here is what we see about where this battle is either won or lost. Verse 21 again. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this battle is won or lost on the battleground of our hearts. This is about the centre of our personality. The centre of who we are. Biblically, that's what it means in heart. It doesn't mean that red organ that pumps, you know, hopefully continually uh, in your chest uh, throughout this day and into the next one. Hopefully it doesn't. It's not talking about that. It's talking about the centre of your person, who you are, what you value, where your values are and where your desires come from and where your longings flow out of where the things that drive you exist, where your motivations come from, the things that shape you and shape your decisions. This is the battleground of the heart, and this is where this battle is either won or lost. And what's really encouraging here is this. Jesus doesn't just say to us, oh, stop it. Like, stop being materialistic. Stop storing up treasure and start doing this. That's not what Jesus says. And that's not how he changes our lives. He goes much deeper, knowing us better than we know ourselves, calling us to have a look at our hearts, the place from where everything else flows. Verse 22 and 23 are part of that kind of, if you like, self-diagnosis. He says... The eye is the lamp of the body. And so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What's he saying? Uh, there's lots of um, ink being spilt on that couple of verses uh, by theologians and you know, maybe a little bit complicated, but it's, in one sense it's pretty straightforward, right? Our eyes, our physical eyes... Give light to the rest of our bodies. In other words, the quality or the condition of our eyes and the clarity that we see with them, helped and aided by devices like this or not, determine the clarity of our vision of where we're going. And the direction that we might take or not take, and the things that we might trip over or fall into or not. And the point is clear in the Bible, the eyes often intimately connected to the heart. And so Jesus is saying, very clearly, how's your eye? (laughs) What are you longing for? What are you looking to? What is coming in through your eye? What is the focus of your eyes? What is the object of your desires? Is it just earthly treasure Things that this world values and pursues and lives for and focuses on? Or is it heavenly treasure, things which what God values, his purposes, the fame of his name, his kingdom and so on? Now, the Lord's prayer is really helpful here, isn't it? What are the things that are so, that are heavenly? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The things of God, the things of his gospel, the things of his kingdom and of his reign, are they the things you're looking to and wanting and longing for this morning? Jesus puts this question really clearly. Are you living for yourself? Or are you living for God? What are you pursuing? Is it light? Heavenly things? Or is it darkness? Earthly things? And if it's darkness, what does he say? How bad is it? What, what kind of case do you have of this? Is it really severe? Or have you just kind of started to drift a little bit and you, you just need to turn back? Or do you need massive help to get back on track? Again, this highlights the truth that we find in the Sermon of the Mount, that Christianity is a religion of the heart. It's not about external conformance to a set of religious ideals. Whew! I hope you're relieved about that. It's about inner transformation of our hearts that then flows out affecting every part of our life. But again, it's an ongoing battle. You know, we're not home yet. We're not in heaven yet. We are a work in progress. And guess what? Jesus knows that. Hence this sermon. He knows the human heart better than anyone. He knows the struggles that we had, the temptations to idolatry that we face, the places we go for relief when we shouldn't. He knows all that. And so he's calling us away from it. Because, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. And so though we may all drift to some extent, we need to repent often. Keep our hearts in check with the word of God and with the help of the spirit of God. So that we continue to treasure the things we ought to treasure. Because no one can serve two masters, though we, you know, I think often we give it a pretty good crack, hey? Eh? We, we give it a real good try to see if we can kind of do both, you know, God and the stuff we want, right? We, <laughs> yeah, I know Jesus says no one can do it, but maybe I can give it a, if I, maybe if I approach it this way, you know, or just kind of deny that part of what's going on, all right? Jesus says no, you can't do it. Now your lives are to be shaped by a deep love for your heavenly Father. And flowing from that, your lives will be devoted to serving and worshipping him. Do you see the connection there? Do you see this is what you call parallelism. So Jesus says, either you will hate the one and love the other. That's pretty stark, isn't it? Oosh. Right? You start living for earthly things. What are you doing? You're turning away from God. Or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Notice loving God and serving God are intimately related. Intimately related. To live lives shaped by a deep love for our Heavenly Father. This is what we were made for. And friends, this is what Jesus saves us for. Because without him, we just store up treasure on earth. Now, maybe some of you know WA history. I'm not a real history buff, but I do know that uh, sometime a fair while ago, we had a fairly major gold discovery up in the, the gold fields. That's why they call it the gold fields, right? Up in Kalgoorlie. And uh, this is how people kind of lived up in Kalgoorlie. You can see. This is their house. I don't know where they sleep I know where their laundry is. And the mine shaft is, is just there. And this is in Kalgoorlie. How many cases is Kalgoorlie from Perth? I don't know, 550 or something? Something like that. But the interesting thing is people, lots of them, pushed all their worldly belongings to Kalgoorlie from Perth in wheelbarrows. Can you believe that? No fly in, fly out those days. Why would you do that? For some of them, it cost them their lives, I don't know about on the way, but certainly when they got there in mine shafts and so on. Why? Why would you do that? They left behind whatever lives they had before. Well, it bears out this truth. What you love, sorry, what you long for is what you'll live for. It works every time. What you long for is what you'll live for. Kind of sounds like what Jesus says, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that is where the trajectory of your life will flow from. And for us as followers of Jesus, it's meant to be deep love for our Heavenly Father. So let me ask you, as I've been asking myself, where is your treasure as you sit here today? What is it that you are longing for today that is shaping what you're living for day by day? What is it? What is it that you feel you need most to be okay, for life to be good. What is it? Honestly, between you and Jesus, what does the landscape of your heart look like just now? What, what has a hold there? Are you trying to serve two masters? How can you know if you're trying to serve two masters? What are some key indicators that would, would kind of point in that direction? Well, here's one. Here's a few. You will invest all your time and energy in the pursuit of of what you actually treasure. Your calendars will reflect it. Your bank statements will reflect it. Your conversations will reflect it. It's a good way to measure it. If you're trying to serve two masters, this is probably fairly certain. You won't give generously and joyfully to the work of the gospel in your local church. You won't do it. And if you do, it will be kind of a duty that you feel you have to do, and more likely it'll be kind of leftovers at the end after you've done everything else you want to do. You won't serve Jesus either with others in your local church. Even if you turn up regularly or just occasionally, you won't serve because you don't value it. You won't love the church, which is actually a flow on from loving God. Did you know that? He loves his bride. (laughs) And he calls us who love him to also love his bride, who we are at the same time a part of. I don't know whether you've ever said to her, hey, mate, I like you, but I don't think much of your wife. You might end up with a fat lip. Maybe. Sometimes we kind of say that to God, though, right? Yeah, yeah, I like you. Yeah. But your church, your bride... Hmm, not so sure. This is probably a little bit more frightening. If you try to serve two masters, you'll be in bondage to whatever you are treasuring. And it will never satisfy. It just won't. It'll promise and promise and promise again. It'll make new promises, it'll make different promises. There'll be all sorts of promises. It'll be like the end of the rainbow every time you get there. There'll be nothing there. Jesus calls us away from this today in his kindness and his grace. He wants more for us as his followers than that. He wants us to have hearts renewed and transformed. And he's showing us how to resist temptation and experience transformation. And this is through having a deep love for God, our Heavenly Father. How's your heart? Sometimes, you know, you can go and have one of those machines scan your heart. And that checks out a few things. But not like when Jesus kind of scans our hearts for us. And he doesn't do it to condemn us. He does it because he loves us and wants to deliver us from whatever's going on there that's not good for us and doesn't glorify him. So the first thing we need is for our lives to be shaped by a deep love for our Heavenly Father. And secondly, to be shaped by a deep confidence in our Heavenly Father, which, friends, is so breathtaking what Jesus says now about our relationship with God. Let's just read it again from verse 25 and following. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will wear or what you will eat, or, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour Therefore don't be anxious, saying, "What should we eat or what should we drink?" or "What should we wear?" For the Gentiles seek after all things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Do you see the beauty of what Jesus is saying here? I mean, it's easier said than done, right? Do not be anxious about anything. All right go. How do I do that? Easier said than done. Just the fact that Jesus says not to do it and gives us good reasons why shows us he knows our struggle with it. But he shows us again and again and again that we are loved by our Heavenly Father and cared for by him. You want an antidote to fear and anxiety and worry? Your heavenly Father loves you and cares for you and sees your need and knows your need. He does. He really does. In the Sermon on the Mount, over and over and over again, this phrase, your heavenly Father comes up. Why? Because through the Lord Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection and coming to him in repentance and faith, God adopts us through the work of Jesus and makes us his very own children and so he at the same time becomes our heavenly father and from that moment on we are in his care and engulfed by his love and that, friends, changes Everything, if that one reality could land for us and stay landed for us, that would change everything. So, notice that Christianity is not just about us treasuring God above all, it's also about God treasuring us. Can you believe that? I know myself pretty well. I don't feel like treasure, really. I know what I'm like. I know how fickle I am. But by his grace, through the perfect work of Jesus, we are accepted and treasured by our Heavenly Father forever ever. That's why Jesus says, don't be anxious. Are you not of more value than they, he says? Your heavenly Father knows that you need all that. Oh, you of little faith, and that's not a rebuke, that's an invitation to trust. Is not life more, much more than food? And the body, much more than clothing? No, no, life is about relationship with. God our Father who loves us and cares for us and the body is, being, is about being made in the image of God to draw attention to God with our whole lives. And yes, we need to eat. And yes, we need a couple of things in the wardrobe. But that's not the substance of life. That's what Jesus is saying. And so verse 33 he says, seek first the kingdom of God. That's what I've created you for. That's what I've come after you for in my son. That's what I've gone to the cross for so that you can be part of my kingdom and enjoy that. What is the kingdom of God? Well, it's everything to do with his reign. And you can read the Lord's Prayer any time you like. You can pray the Lord's Prayer any time you like. That's what it's about. Our Father's love, our Father's name, our Father's glory, our Father's purposes, our Father's kindness, our Father's mercy, and on and on it goes. Us experiencing forgiveness, walking humbly with him, Trusting him for our daily needs? Give us this day our daily bread? Sounds a little bit different to storing up, doesn't it? I mean, this doesn't mean we don't work. (laughs) And this doesn't mean we don't plan. But it does mean we don't live for work. And we don't live for our plan. And we don't bet our lives on our plan. We don't find our hope in our planning and our working and our security in that. No, we find that in these words. Are you not more valuable than they? So, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness as blood-bought, adopted children of God And all these things will be added to you as well. Again, notice it's intentional. It's not accidental. It's not going to happen to you as you sit back on your lounge and flick the remote control. Not that that's a bad thing. Pursue it. Seek it. You have life in you through the gospel of Jesus. Now live it out. Go after it. Seek the kingdom. To do that, grow in your love, your deep love for your Heavenly Father and your deep confidence in your Heavenly Father. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, In heaven, hallowed be your name. You are our Father who reigns over all. You are sovereign and you are good. And to our great surprise and our deep delight, you love us and you care for us. And you want us to rest in that care. You don't want us to be filled with fear. But you want us to be sustained by faith. Father, we do ask that your kingdom come and that your will be done in this crazy world Lord, none of these things that are going on in and around us or across the world can stop the advance of your kingdom and of your gospel, can stop you saving people by your grace. So we pray, Lord, that you would do that even more so in this time and that you would use us in that process, in that purpose unfolding. Lord, if we're here this morning and we've got lots of cares, lots of concerns, lots of fears, lots of worries. Lord, would you help us to see you, our Heavenly Father, perhaps just that little bit more clearly, just, just clear enough for some of those things to, to be quelled, to dissipate, and for us to be able to take a deep breath and rest in you. Father, we thank you for your love for us in Jesus. That all this is possible because He came and lived a perfect life and died in our place as a sacrifice of atonement on the cross, rose again, conquering death and sin and everything that would keep us from your kingdom, and then threw open the doors that we might come in repentance and faith and to know you and love you and be loved by you and adopted and accepted forever. Father, we thank you and we praise you this day. Hallowed be your name. May your name be cherished and honoured and loved and adored by us more and by more and more people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.